Welcome to the Yield Podcast. I am Brooke Payne, your host. Together, we are going to create passive income, organically grow your side hustle, meanwhile, being completely submitted to God's leadership throughout the process, because that is how we exponentially grow. Law graduate Ogo Akwizor-Hawi started Ogo New York after moving to New York City from the UK in 2010. She was born in Canada, lived her early years in Nigeria, her country of origin, and grew up in the United Kingdom. She founded the label on the desire to serve the authentic, modern woman. At the time of starting the label, her focus was to create beautiful pieces of art that fit every body type. But after learning firsthand the negative impact the industry is having on the environment, her mission evolved. It's about creating beautiful pieces that are kind to the ecosystem. People, animals, and the environment should not be sacrificed for style, says Ogo. Ogo is a dear friend of mine and a prophetic voice, someone who's very active in the marketplace and successful in business. She is definitely someone I want to be like when I grow up. And you are not going to want to miss her story about how God spoke to her about the coronavirus far before it ever hit and how now her business is thriving because she was able to step out in obedience. I think, you know, for me, yeah, I had, I had, you know, interviewed you early on, but then it looked like, you know, okay, all 11 of my episodes were white people. <laughs> and, um, and I had a couple of friends like call me out on it. And, you know, ah. I was like, Hey, by the way, I've reached out to, you know, I, I listed, I'm like, these are all six, seven black, brown, Asian people I've reached out to. It just so happens to be, you know, and then I was like, wait, is that bias? Was I pushing more for this person than that person? You know, it just, you know, I was kind of like internally processing. And so then obviously there, you know, it's people like they want to hear from people of color and, you know, brown people and Asian people. So I was like, okay, I need to like, I need to make sure that is something that I'm doing just to like, I don't know. It's just a responsibility that I have, you know, just if you have a podcast, you need to talk on things that are relevant. Um, but then also my podcast isn't about, you know, what's going on in the current situation. It's more so, you know, business and motivation and dreams and that kind of stuff. So I, I wanted you to kind of maybe give your take on it but you also are multicultural right like you're raised in Africa and then England for so long and then New York City so it's not like you have a lot of you have a different perspective than (laughs) most people most individuals um that identify as black so it's you know it's it's an interesting perspective from you but then also I kind of want to talk about you know just business like and that's why I said you know racial reconciliation as a praying mom, as a woman who knows Jesus and, and sees hope, you know, what's your take on all of this? And then personal experience too, within, you know, business and, and all of this and kind of maybe your stories, but then kind of just, I found it was really hard. The other interview, we didn't even talk about business because we just talked about, you know, racial reconciliation for a whole hour. <laughs> so um, he's like, we'll just do a second episode. So we'll just kind of see how it flows, but I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts before I, I jumped in on any of it. No, I think that's fine. I was actually, I was born in Canada, so I have four citizens. Oh, I know. Wait, you so were born in Canada? Yeah, I'm Canadian first. Weird. Alberta. 
why did I always think you were born? Is your family Nigerian? That. Mm-hmm. But I lived in Nigeria when I was young. Okay. I don't know kind of my birthplace, but I lived in, yes. Yeah, so it's four. So it's Canada, Nigeria, England, the U.S. But yeah, I definitely, um, I believe the Lord is, I can, I'll share about a dream that I had in March. And, and I do believe that the Lord is doing, almost preparing me for what's happening now. Um, I believe the Lord is using it as an opportunity to bring racial con- reconciliation. But I do think that there, um, even in that, in the midst of the healing, there's a lot of distracting narratives. Sure. And so I think we just need to try and focus on what the focus is and be very conscious that the enemy is also trying to overplay his hand and keep the focus on reconciliation and healing. I think, and it's not just healing of, us from it's healing from us from racism but it's also healing for the white folks and kind of um a realignment of their truths and their and their theology um and mixtures so i think that needs to be the focus um but i definitely don't agree with a lot of i'm not too extremes i'm right in the middle you know what i mean friends are like that just like whoa 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 you're talking to the wrong person (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? So I think there's a lot of hatred as well. Yeah. That there and hatred for the both. Yeah. So I think it's, you just have to be, you don't have to go, you know, those things happened and we are um, suffering as a result of things from the past that God willing through this, we're going to see healing, but we have to move on. Like, I'm like, yeah. the can I, I'm like, okay, I'll, I, I'm almost done with hearing about it over and over again. Yeah. So I think that, but the only thing that I wanted to add, though, to your questions is what a product I'm super excited about. So in I think it was January or early February, before the COVID-19 became insane here, we'd heard of it in the U.S., I mean, in, in China or Asia, but it wasn't so common here. I had a vision of everyone wearing masks. And this was then, like, literally just masks, masks. I felt the Lord was like this. And I saw myself in the vision selling masks and supplying masks to people in need. So I began buying mask supplies. No, you didn't. Come on. Mask, sanitize, like buying up everything before and then within. And I said to Jamal, I believe masks are going to become mandatory soon. And he was like, what? And it was like, it was so random at the time. And two months later, but by then I already had all the supplies and not only did I have supplies, the Lord was able to connect me to a manufacturer. And so together we've been able to create um, 99% preventive, it's 99% protection. Wow. And it's washable. And so I really felt so kind of, we have just created our first collection of, um, we call them HEPA-thought, like HEPA-99 masks, like the highest level of protection you can get from viruses. And they're washable with the filters and they're fashion masks. And, so I was and they have like of, rhinestones. I've seen them. Different ones. Yeah. So it's almost about being functional and protected as well. And we've already had orders from um, hospitals because it's unheard of having a filter in a mask that's actually washable up to 40 times. And this filter has got FDA certified. So I'm now working to get the entire mask to be FDA certified. Oh my gosh. And this is because you had a dream and God revealed it to you. 
I was I mean, going I, to ask how quick, because I noticed you were putting these pictures out of these masks and I thought, wow, that was really quick. I mean, I know that the process to get things manufactured is not easy. And then to see you already were on it. I was like, dang, Olga. Yeah. Wow. So what was your dream? Um, you had said before you had a dream about kind of some of this reconciliation that was about to go down. Um, I was at the back of a church, probably about a hundred people at the church and it was a small gathering and there was a preacher speaking and he said, there's two types of people in this world. The ones that don't believe in God and the ones that believe in God. I was aware in the dream that the guy speaking was a representation of God or God. Like it was like, and he was a guest speaker. So it was like this, like everyone was like waiting for every word that came out of his mouth. And he said, so you are not, you don't fall into the first category of people. So good job. And like, we were so relieved, like, oh, thank God. In other words, at least we believe in God. And it was almost yeah. this judgment type correction dream. We we're like, oh, please, so we're good then. And yeah. then he times what is your theology? What is your theology? But what is your theology? And every time he said it, he said it with more authority, more firmness, but his racial color would change every time he said it. It would be white. He started off white and then he would turn black. He looked like he was like in his mid fifties, a man, and he would turn white, then he would turn black. So it was all white and black, white and black. His race kept changing. That's what stuck out in the dreams. I woke up going, what on earth? I wow. never had racial um, color change. And every time he said, what is your theology? That's when it would start. And I didn't realize till later that it was warning of the black and white thing, but for the church. What is your theology as Christians when it comes to race? And it was black and white. So there, the Lord is dealing or judging racism to do with black and white right now. And that that dream was, um, I believe, it was the first of March. So there was none of that going on there. That was like three months ago. I shared it with Tammy and Jules, and they actually I shared it on. I, I spoke. I did a sermon like two weeks ago, it's on YouTube for Jacob. Okay. I shared the dream briefly, um, but I shared it to them like in March or so. So that's, I believe the Lord is judging that and that's what we got to keep our focus on and get healed. Yes. And that's got to be the focus. It's not hate. It's not propaganda and politics. And it's just become a complete mess because that's what the enemy does. He comes to distract right. and Christians have to be careful yeah of both races that we're staying focused on healing yes what's what like would be your advice for what you're seeing I mean yeah to focus on healing what what would you say practically for us to kind of enter into the right type of humility or or what have you I mean if you were speaking to one of the listeners who's listening who are maybe like yes I want to help I just I don't know how to I don't know how to enter into that Right. I'd say for me, like if I was to look at the dream, for example, um, in the dream, he was saying, what is your theology? And later on, he started talking about, do you really fully believe in the Bible or do you just believe in part of the Bible? And it became more of a rebuke to us listening that we pick what we want to believe and discard what we don't want to believe. So if I was to look at that for myself, I know um, when all this stuff started to come up, it definitely reminded me of racism that I've dealt with. In the UK, I mean, we were in the UK in the 
um, early 90s, there weren't so many people of color. And so we definitely dealt with quite a bit of racism, and especially for me, when it comes to watching my parents who are academics in the medical, while well, my mom's a medical doctor, my dad was a professor, and watching them um, get challenged in the educational system in England, not get promotions that they were due, um, that was very painful for us. And I know my dad was so put off by how he was being treated that he moved back to Nigeria for a big part of my adult and would travel back and forth because he felt that he would be appreciated more there for what he contributed to kind of society. And my dad is um, highly intelligent, wrote so many books on geology for Africa. And, and so we saw the effect of that. And then we were obviously raised to be aware that not only are we girls, it was almost like a double negative, you're a girl and you're black. So you better work three times as hard because trust me, it, like you would need to. So we grew up just knowing that we would have to do more than everybody else. Um, I didn't know that I, I, I didn't know it caused resentment in me until this stuff also started coming out. Wow. Realized that I don't know if I would call myself racist, but I definitely had strong biases against white people, even like those white friends. Which yes. Is- and you're in a community that's very diverse. I mean, diverse. Yeah. But, and then I realized that I was still really hurt from what had happened with my parents. And so the Lord wanted to heal that. So I had to take that to the Lord, um, forgive the person, you know, the, the people that had done that. So I had, so I had done those things already. I had forgiven, but the pain only came up after getting involved with the whole George Floyd thing. So I think what it's doing is it's causing a lot of pains that we didn't even know we had right. for the blood to come up because the Lord wants to heal those things. I remember my head teacher, I went to a private Christian school and I, at 18, he asked what I wanted to be. I was about to graduate to go on to college. I said, a lawyer. He was like, you will never amount to anything more than a Marks and Spencer sales associate. So Marks and Spencer's in the UK is like a Macy's. So in his mind, I would only ever be a Macy's sales associate. Um, he, this is something along that you're just a pretty girl. So I'm just a pretty black girl. What am I going to do? And he was the head of the college. And that never left me. So these are all things that I started to remember when this whole George Floyd thing, like it didn't really, to me, I'm like, I'm over that stuff. I've forgiven them. Right. But that's what's happening with a lot of people. And the practical solution is to take that to the Lord and, and ask the Lord what he wants you to do with that and ask him how he sees you and how he sees white people. So it's, yeah. And I say that I've typically stayed away from any racial heats or conversations because especially when it comes to repentance from the white folks because I'm like yeah look I've heard it all nothing ever changes anyway this is the world that we live in so I remember Tammy and Bill trying to put together this whole round table I'm like if not that Jules called me Lord knows I wasn't going on that round table right I'm like I'm done with these chats but I did go on and it was super useful and I do really feel of it's obvious now but this was when um Ahmad um, Aubrey had just happened. Yep. So it, it did, 
And I said to Bill, I feel that this time it's different. I don't, I can't put my mm-hmm. hand, but I feel like the Lord's really judging the mixtures in our yes. minds, really bringing them out. And then George Floyd happened and then, and then it was irrefutable. It was insane. Irrefutable. Yeah. I mean, I think with Ahmad Arbery, I, I mean, knowing my, you know, my friend groups and where I come from, I mean, listen, we're all white up here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's really hard um, because a lot of my friends and family do not have any exposure, any personal friendships with anyone of any color. I mean, I'm not just talking black. I'm talking, there's nobody up here besides white people. Um, Cause y'all are smart and you don't live up here where it's this cold. And it just, it makes it really easy to make excuses or get defensive when you don't have any friends who have any experiences. And so I think for me, that's been the one thing I've said, listen, it it gets political. It gets all the things. We don't have to go that direction. I don't necessarily care to, you know, discuss or argue about any of that stuff. All I'm asking is that you would find someone who's not the same color as you get to know them on a personal level, ask them their experiences and walk away, you know, like just walk away thinking, feeling, being in that moment with them, because that's where empathy starts. It's really hard to have any kind of empathy. If you just keep making excuses of why, well, this or well, that it's like, well, you're not going to change, you know? And I think that's why George Floyd, I mean, anyone who's seen that video absolutely can't refute it. And there it's it's causing an uproar and and it's it's really causing change and the fact that we just sat around a bonfire last night for two hours talking about race with all of my white family and them kind of making arguments or questions and and me just kind of you know it was it was a super loving conversation but the fact that we're talking about it for two hours around a bonfire pretty much at, at the canadian border in minnesota where there is no i mean there's very very small um populations of any kind of diversity so that to me has meant a lot that almost every day we've been talking about it we've been asking questions we've been sharing experiences and that's all I've done I've just been like well I have a friend that this was his experience or you know my friend says that you know as a white woman I've never experienced being scared when getting pulled over by policemen or whatever it may be you know and so as you share those experiences and those it's, it's like, Hey, listen, we don't, they're not looking for a pity party. They're just looking to be listened to. That's it. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and the more we are defensive, the less healing can occur, you know? And I think it's like, the more you defend yourself, the more you defend your biases and the more you become bitter against, you know, anyone who's different than you. So, but yeah, yeah I, re- I really appreciate your, your honesty to be, you know, cause it, you're not a person that I would expect to just be like, Oh yeah, I have biases against white people. It's like almost all of your, not all of your friends, but there's a lot of your people that I know you're close with who are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the truth. That's the thing, isn't it? Like he's sure he's going deep in the heart. Mm-hmm. And even that I didn't even know till this stuff all came out. So. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. And, and what do you feel like, um, kind of, cause I want to kind of, go into some of your experience as a businesswoman, like you said before, you know, your, your dad kind of told you, well, you're going to have to work three times as hard and, and all that. What's your advice to um, a young entrepreneur or dreamer who may be a person of color or a minority race? I mean, what would you kind of say to, to those individuals? 
Um, I mean, I think it's it's a lot of things. If I'm kind of focusing on women of color, men of color, um, yes, um, there the biases are there, and I don't know if you know the next year of conversations will necessarily eliminate biases, um, and, and it will bring significant change. Um, so as a result, I do think that you have to have the reality in, in mind, which is work against those biases and that means giving minimal room for error you know my parents from when I was very young they would say be careful who you hang out with because and this is a funny situation um I don't think I've ever been told this story before but I remember being I want to say 14 15 and I was with friends of mine I kind of fell into the wrong part it was like high school and we would just kind of we'd go to on our lunch break and they would be shoplifted now, I wasn't allowed to wear makeup from a super young age or put, paint my nails. That was going to have all erased. Just super, like, simple. Yeah. And uh, it worked. I always seemed more attracted to the super flashy girls or I was always hanging out with the popular crowd. That was just how, since I was a kid, or I'd create my own crowd and then everyone would follow me. So I was, like, 15, 16, and they were shoplifting. And so I decided to take a little bit of lip gloss. They were, like, showing me how to do it. So I took a little bit of lip gloss off of the rack and I was like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna show you how right I'm gonna... <laughs> you know that they stopped me at the um they caught me and they put me in a little cell did they really yes. oh my I... gosh but the day till my parents came I was mortified and they were like and of all people my friends have been doing this forever right I the one the one day I'm like okay, we were all trying to see who can leave with, how much stuff can you leave with? Sure. My mom was so confused. She's like, you're not allowed to wear makeup. So why on earth do you go pick up a bit of lip gloss, which wasn't even for my color of skin. So it's obvious that it wasn't for me. And she, and, and she said, I keep telling you, you're not the same as everybody else. And I was like, but mom, that's what they do at lunch break. She's like, that's my point. So, don't find yourself near trouble, girl. You don't yeah. look like everybody else. Right. Year, they're good. You get put in jail at 15. They had to come and take me out of the cell. I was mortified. Oh, my gosh. Apparently, the cameramen were just, the minute I walked in, they were watching me, and they said that. The minute I walked into the store, they had the camera on me, and they admitted that. But my mom didn't apologize. She didn't an apology from them. The truth was I had no business. And so I think it's just being conscious of the reality. And so hold yourself excellent at what you do. Don't find yourself in precarious positions. Yeah. I never forgot that after that. There are things that people can do that you just are not able to do. And so prove people wrong. I love that. And that's what I would say. Uh, you're not doing it out of this kind of heart of competition. You're just doing it out of just a spirit of excellence, mm -hmm. knowing the reality of what bias can look like and that you do, you can stand out more than you ordinarily should. Right. And you can use that for, for good as well. Oh, and that's the point. And so, and I say that, but at the same time, there is an element of me that also believes that we are in a place where it's actually a great opportunity to look different because 
people are now looking to honor differences. <laughs> yes. Self up now, up till now, you're going to benefit. I mean, I can't tell you how many emails I've received since this whole movement has started on, as a woman of color, we want to feature you. Would you like to talk here? Um, how can, can we get your business name? Because I was positioned before this, right? That's so good. We've been doing the right things, minding your business, working hard. Um, I actually think the differences will actually propel you forward. Wow. In the season that we're in. And so, um, and especially America, I, I really feel America's way ahead in many ways than the rest of the world, especially when it comes to racial issues. Yes, we see what's happening, but I'm British and I know the distinct difference. And so I'd also say, be careful what you watch in the news and the narratives you're believing, because sometimes there are narratives to, that are divisive. They're intentionally mm-hmm. divisive to feel that the country's worse than what it actually is. There's more hatred than there actually is. Sure. Um, so there's also perspective in England. I couldn't wear my hair like this in England. I mean, I guess I could, but I probably wouldn't get a job, right? Um, wow. so British blacks, you know, our hair's straighter. I looked very different in England than I did here because I knew that there were certain things that were just not culturally acceptable in England, just to be able to get a job and progress. Whilst here, I feel like black culture has always been celebrated to an extent, and so. Um, there's less racial profiling in the career field here than most parts of the world outside Africa. Wow. That's a, that's a brilliant perspective too. And give us a little bit of your background, um, of where you started in your career journey and kind of where you ended up here at Ogo, New York and my style chest and all that kind of give us that progression so people can understand. Yeah. Um, I started, so I grew up always wanting to kind of, I remember when I was really, really young, and they'll go, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I want to sell, it was, we call it puff puff in Nigeria. It's like this donut thing. And I always, I four years old, and I wanted to be a puff puff seller. <laughs> and I have a donut store. And my aunt is the mom would be like, but why? And I'm like, because I can, I love it. So I can eat it and I can make money and buy more and eat it. <laughs> of just being able to do what I love, which was eat puff puff, and also kind of exchange money from a young age was always prevalent. Um, but then obviously, I got, you know, being raised in a culture where school's super important and um, your parents always encourage you to pick a profession that will be more stable in the future, I end up doing more. And um, I did pretty well, I got 4.0 GPA. Um, and, but I knew I wanted to be in business. I knew I wanted to be in business. I fell into an opportunity from, um, a summer job before I was meant to start the bar. I wanted to be a barrister, which is a little different. The cult, the system there in the UK is different from the system here, but I wanted to be a lawyer that would be able to go to court from the get go. And so I started a summer job just to kind of take, find time to do stuff. And it was fundraising and it was door to door fundraising. Wow. And do you know what? I absolutely loved that job. People were like, oh, you are out of your mind. I'm like, I get to knock on doors, talk to strangers. They don't even know who I am. And they love me. Ask them for donations. And we would sign people up 
for ongoing pledges. They will give you their credit card information, um, their ID. You have to look at their ID. They don't know you from Adam. You just knock on there. They'll go, hi, how you doing? My name's Olga. I absolutely loved it. So wow. I had such a thrill. And so now I'm like, mom, I love this job. She's like, no, you are leaving that job. So a lot of people just didn't get it because it, it's, it's like the scum of the earth, isn't it? You're going right. to knock it. Um, so that was meant to be a summer job, but I guess my family tolerated it because it was just going to be for the summer. They were like, let her just get whatever this thing is in her system, let her get it out. <laughs> End of summer, I'm like, mom, I want to defer law school and do this. Yeah. So my dad called a family meeting to the home. He called a family meeting. We all had to fly from wherever we were. <laughs> to meet because they were like, what has happened to our daughter? Oh my but God. I felt it was the Lord, right? And I wanted to quit or defer law school because there was opportunities for advancement and for me to be able to run my own fundraising agency, training people doing that. I was like 22 at the time. And I was like, mom, I really think I can do this and do this really, really well. So either way, long story short, I did lots of prayer and miraculous. And my dad said, okay, we'll give you a year. Do it for a year. And in that year, I was able to get promoted to actually run my own franchise. And um, rest is history. So that was in 2002. Wait, I, I want to pause you. You have no idea, but I, the job that I currently am in right now is very, very similar to that. And I came in it very half-heartedly. It's Nielsen ratings. So like the TV and radio ratings, very similar, right? We have addresses, we show up. Uh, no one knows who I am. I was like, hi, I'm Brooke, I'm with Nielsen. And I really didn't think much of the job. It was kind of like after I came off the road traveling, it was kind of fell in my lap. And within the first two or three months, I was third, second and third in the company. And like, what? I mean, we're in the middle of a renovation and I'm just blowing it out of the water. It was insane. So what you're saying, I absolutely totally relate with because people are like, how are you? I'm like, well, I'm just good at letting myself into people's homes. I don't know what to <laughs> So funny. Yeah, yes, I love it too. It's so funny. I'm really good at talking to strangers, I guess. I don't know. Anyway. I get a thrill out of it. So I loved it. And so, yeah, so by, yeah, by 20, 2008 or nine, actually, I was one of the most, the most senior women of color in the company worldwide. It was a huge company. Wow. Um, 10,000 people, 24 countries, and I'd broken so many records back to back to back. And I was managing an organization of hundreds of people. I'd opened up offices all over the country um, in Europe by this point. So that literally meant me training other people to run their own franchises. And so that became my expertise for 13 years. I did that. And that's why I moved to the US. So they wanted to open up the United States as a country. So I was selected out of everyone in the world to come and open up the U.S. division of the company wow. and to start fashion. So that's how I moved over here. Obviously, I never went back to law school. It became my source of income. And I was able to, um, by the grace of God, invest into other opportunities because it was also very lucrative financially. Um, and it was just God's grace, right? And so I then moved over here through that on a one-year visa in 2011 as a country head of America. Um, and then in 2014, I kind of parted ways with that company and started my own consulting firm. So I consult for businesses like that um, and other businesses, but I, I tend to get more 
um, inquiries from direct sales and that's sales driven solutions yet because that's not my consulting group and so I'm able to advise businesses help them because I did it for so many years I absolutely love that space and I've um, been able to mentor thousands of people in that space and so that's what I do as a consultant so I have sales driven solutions Inc where we provide recruitment advice recruitment um, strategy as well as just business strategy and implementation and how to grow your field your field staff or your field um, force um, exponentially. One of my main clients, I began working with them. They had eight people and within three years they were eight people in Brooklyn and within three years they had over 220 people in different parts of the U.S. And so that's kind of my background in that way. Um, and then I also started um, over New York. I've always loved fashion. I don't have a background in terms of academic in fashion. I've taught myself everything along the way from creating patterns to a basic level of sewing, but then in terms of sketching and design. But I always loved it and people always complimented me on what I would wear. From a young age, I was always altering things and making things. My mom would always laugh and say, I remember making a pair of shoes at like six years old. So I've always made and created stuff. And so I also would get people challenge me going, what are you? Are you a lawyer? Are you a consultant? Now, like, it's so confusing mm -hmm. when you so many things. Like, pick one and just get good at it. But I just always felt that the Lord had more for me. So I opened up Olga New York and then began kind of just um, creating my own designs. And the idea is just to kind of offer classic functional styles, but with a bit of a pop. I'm Nigerian, um, but I'm also very, um, as I have that kind of element of color and vibrancy, but I also like simplicity. There are times I'm just in all white or all black. I'm super mm -hmm. simple. And I just wanted to create something that had that vibe. Classic, functional, simple, but bits of crazy in there is always good. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where Ogo New York came from. In 2017, we opened up our storefront in Brooklyn, um, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, only because I lived two blocks away. There was no other. <laughs> right. And we were neighbors at that point when you opened. Yes. And so I thought, and it's a funny story because I was meant to open up initially. I thought of Soho. I thought that's so expensive. And um, I thought, I'll just open up in Dumbo. It just seems better in terms of how it sounds and the demographics, right? Dumbo, Brooklyn, you know, you've got the millennials who are working and it's got the water by there and it's it, it kind of, it's a higher demographic. And But then it just didn't make sense. I just had a baby. The commute from here to Dumbo might not make sense every day. And so I just end up to open up a storefront in Bay Ridge, which thank God was actually a godsend in retrospect because I've been able to really meet and reach people in my local community um, though at the time it didn't make sense um, when it came to demographic targeting anyway yeah. but now in this we're now in Bay Ridge we've just had amazing encounters with people um, people come to get prayed for I remember the lady that I didn't know but the Lord had told me that morning when I was jogging that I would pray for someone for healing that day at the store. Um, I didn't know. That was the only information I got. And then I came to the store, and then it was almost time to kind of lock up, and a group of women came in, and one of them had a coat on. It was, it was the middle of the winter anyway. It was like November. but So she had it, but she kept her hood up. But I, I didn't think too much of it. And the Lord highlighted and said, that's a lady you're going to pray with. 
fast forward, I later find out after we were praying and she felt heat, I felt heat. It was a very like, it was very God ordained. Like you felt the presence of God. Yeah. She's crying and shaking. It was a bold move to ask her, can I pray for you? Because I had just opened up the store and there aren't that many people of color in Bayridge compared to the rest of New York. So I already felt like I stood out um, in this neighborhood and I'm asking these Caucasian older women, can I pray for you? <laughs> in the love of God, and she's shaking. I later find out she had cancer at the latter stages. Fast forward since then, she's completely healed of cancer. She got healed. Um, I've kind of almost become a mentor. We've become very close, though she's much probably in her, she's in her 50s. Um, I didn't know she was my next door neighbor two blocks away. Isn't that insane? And I've, we've become pretty close family friends now um, with them. And that was just one of the many miracles the Lord's definitely performed in the store. So it's been, she calls the store a lighthouse. And it's become oh. that. She's like, whenever I walk, because we're at the corner, and she's like, whenever I walk by, I just feel like you're a lighthouse for this community. Yes. And so it's been awesome to kind of do ministry through the business. And yeah, we're excited to see what the Lord does um, all, all across the board. I, I always have new ideas, new product ideas. And so I'm in the process of obviously now launching the HEPA 99 face masks, um, which are, I'm super excited about, especially for the medical field. Yeah. Um, kind of, you know, classic, fun, protective face masks. Yeah. COVID. So good thing out of COVID, as well as the skincare and hair care line for people of color with curly hair. Wow. Um, my daughter, I never found a good product for Ellie, for mm -hmm. Ellie's hair, nothing works. I began making my own. And so that's the only thing that works on her hair. Why so <laughs> not monetize it, right? And right. so that's later down the line. Um, but just really excited about what the Lord's doing. Yeah. That is so cool. And one thing that I want to kind of mention and I find that, uh, you know, as I'm interviewing people, I'm kind of finding my niche, right? Like I don't, people are like, you're, you're interviewing people from all different spectrums. And the one thing that I've noticed that pretty much everyone has in common is they're doing business, they're doing it in excellence, but it's not like Jesus loves you, New York fashion. It's, oh, go New York. There's no Jesus fish. There's no crosses, but you are yeah. praying and, and seeing people be healed of cancer in your shop. So I think that's sometimes um, for Christians that want to be bold in their faith, they don't really know how to approach doing business or sometimes people feel guilty approaching business or monetizing things. Uh, but like you said, since a young age, you've loved money and I can relate with that. Um, what would be kind of something you would speak to, you know, the idea of money or growing wealth or investing um, to Christians? Like, what, do you have any kind of wisdom you want to share on that? Yeah, that's great. You know, I spoke um, at church. When I, 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 there was a recorded message a couple of weeks ago, um, and I was sharing on a few things I thought the Lord's doing in this season. And one of the things that I said is I feel the Lord is cleaning us up. And in reference to cleaning, cleaning us up, you know, I spoke about how, at least for me, there's, there's this redefining of my identity. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to the wealth and money. So from a young age, I feel like, you know, I definitely was always attracted to wealth, not just a little bit of money, but all money and especially a lot of it. Right? <laughs> sure. And I came from, but I just was, and as I grew older, I always 
wanted to create wealth for the kingdom, this almost obsession to be wealthy so that I can give that ministry I love a million dollars and give that other ministry 10 million and not even think twice about it and really so into the kingdom in a big way. Obviously be comfortable for myself, but really primarily to sow into the kingdom. And so that has always been a big passion of mine. However, the Lord during COVID, one of the many things he's done in me was kind of revealed to me that there was a lie that I believed from a very young age that my identity is wealth. So it's being excited about creating wealth, but it's another thing that becoming who you are. And then as a result, feeling that I have to do it. And then you kind of do it in your own strength. And you almost kind of believe this idea that you almost want to help God achieve the goal for you. Like, so now God, I'm going to help you get here. You have this illegal, and I call it illegal, but you have this constant push and pressure on yourself to perform, but for the kingdom, because I'm going to create wealth. And so the Lord kind of started to show me where a lot of that was coming from, where um, it's kind of me taking on this false identity, but it's a mixture. It's a bit of truth because it's in my destiny and that's all the enemy wants. All he wants is a little bit of a lie and then it all becomes a false truth is what yeah. I call it. And so I think for people, just look within your heart. It's all about the heart and understand that in, in terms of wealth, that is totally godly. Money is of God, right? The love of money isn't, but money in itself is a resource that we need to make change. Well, the Lord will judge, which is what he's done for me, is judge your heart's intent for creating that wealth and where it's coming from. My heart's intent was definitely to create the wealth of the kingdom. That's what I thought. But when I looked deeper, he's like, Yes, it is, but it's not completely that. So I think just be open and um, take that desire to the Lord and let the Lord clean it up so that it's it's fully from Him. And then you can now accumulate wealth from a place of rest mm-hmm. and with God. And that was what I wasn't very good at doing. I have moments of doing it with God. Uh, whether I'd get dreams and God is so gracious where he'll give you ideas and dreams even when you're not totally hanging out with him. But it's such a difference when you're staying with him and doing it with him because you're not allowing the pressures. You're not succumbing to the pressures all around you. Pressure to hit a deadline, pressure to do this, pressure to hit the goals. A lot of that tends to come when you're not walking closely with him. So that's really been my thing now is learning to do it with God. And so for people that want to acquire wealth, that's an amazing desire. I think just check that it's um, rooted in Christ and, and don't idolize that over your relationship with God. And that's one thing he was showing me. I need to, God has to be first. And the idea of wealth should not be what totally consumes my thinking 24-7. How can I come up with this next idea that's going to be that next million dollar? Like, and it can become just a non-stop. So you're idolizing the idea of being wealth. Right. And so staying rooted in the Lord, checking that he, your desires are rooted in him. And then a spirit of excellence. I can't stress that more if you are walking closely with the lord and checking your intentions and just doing what you can with what you have he will open the door yes to chase that key idea or 
you don't have to chase anything. And that's one thing I'm still growing in is that I don't have to do it on my own. Right. Just do what you can with what you have with the Lord. Yes. I love that. And I'm a, I'm a big, like, you'll hear me say it over and over practical. So give us, um, some actionable kind of steps of, you know, maybe someone who's got an idea or has, you know, these dreams or whatever, what would you say like to, to, you know, walking away from listening to this podcast and we're not done. I, I have a couple, a couple of other questions, but you know, what are three things that you're like, okay, do this today, like do these things today. Yeah. I'd say if you have ideas, um, especially if it's like a business idea, check to see if you have competition, uh, competition, check who your competitors are immediately. See if you have people that have similar ideas that have, have already executed those ideas. And if yours is any different from what they have in mind, um, in the early days when I would have ideas, I would just go for it. And that's not wise because then you have to kind of then go back and change certain things that could have been changed much earlier on because you find that you're not doing exactly what someone else is doing. <laughs> right. That's brilliant. I never wanted to look and see. I didn't want to be distracted. That was my thing. I'm just going to focus on what I feel is mine. But then, yeah, there's, get all the information you can. So look and see who your competitors are. See who they are. See how what you offer, the unique proposition is different from what they offer. Um, look at your demographic. Do you have a big enough audience? Um, who even is your audience? Be as specific as possible, so much so that we should be able to look at your audience. They should look like something, have a name, live in a specific address, right? Drive a certain type of car, live in a certain type of house. Like be so specific because the more vague you are um, about your audience, the less likely you reach your actual audience because you actually don't know who they are. And the less your message is branded to hit that specific person you're trying to hit. And so if I was to do over New York, again, I think I would have done that so much better earlier as opposed to trying to almost reach everybody. Don't try to reach everybody. Just getting a small part of the cake is good because um, it's not diluted. It's lazy. Mm. And I think in my early days, I would always try and reach as many people as possible, which never worked out well for me long term. Um, the better of having a very clear, specific niche that know who you are and you know who they are. And that helps with your marketing because you, you now know what the keywords are. You know what the color palette is. Like it's so specific. Yeah. And then they know who they are. They know that they are, you are the leader of their tribe. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, like you all recognize each other immediately rather than being all things to all people. Then they don't even know the chosen leader. So I would definitely do that. And then I'm, oh, I'm a big, you know, my husband in the early days when we were dating, he was like, oh my gosh, you are like fire. You just go. And then <laughs> put everything in your path. And that literally is me. Yes. <laughs> right? My dear, I'm not one to pause. I'm learning to pause a bit more as the Lord matches us. He's a perfect matchmaker. I have a husband who will take time considering his idea weighing the options that is not me not me either oh i'm like let's just go let's do it and i'll figure it out as i go along that's a good thing too 
But um, so my advice is coming from that place. I do feel do your research. I do feel like, you know, make sure your prices, right, based on what you're offering, based on what your competitors are already offering, based on your demographic, right? Do all that good stuff, but then just do something. Just do something. Don't yeah. sit fresh for years. Keep the expenses super minimal, whether if you can make it yourself, make it yourself. But do something and then do, and when I say something, samples that people, loved ones can just test out with minimal cost to you. So get it out there and then get feedback and then you can make edits necessary. But try not to spend as much money, much money in the early stages because I'm telling you now, whatever your idea is now will be so tweaked by the end and so upgraded, it will probably not look like what you started with. Sure, yeah. In the early days. And so that's what I, super basic, but I would start with that. Oh, I love it. That's so good. And that's, that's always like what I'm, you know, trying to figure out. And I, I've learned very, yeah. And, and what you said about the, you know, do it at minimal cost, um, I think a lot of times people think, oh, to be excellent, I need, I have to do things like I have to go for the most expensive this or the most that. And it's like, you can, you can make quality things by hand. In fact, people are looking for quality handmade things. So, um, yeah, don't let, you know, I've seen a lot of people, right. It's either time or money. That's, those are the big excuses I hear. And I'm like, so what? You're going to lose an hour of sleep or you're going to have to put social media down or you're going to have to give up a coffee. I mean, these are practical things and then set the money aside or set the time aside because just not having coffee one day isn't going to make your dream happen. You have to, okay, here's my $5. I'm putting it in my savings account. I'm focused and, or I'm going to use that $5. I'm going to go buy the materials to make that bracelet or make that whatever it is, you know, or putting it away so I can make t-shirts to do that fundraising thing. You know, it's to me, I, I, I think people, especially millennials, which is kind of my target on it audience, which I think we're niching down since I talked to you the last time it was at first, it was like all millennials, Christian or non. And now it's like, I mean, if you're offended by Christianity, you're probably not going to be listening to my podcast, <laughs> you know? And at first I was like, no, I just want to be all things to all men. And I, you know, I want people to feel cozy. And the truth is that's great. And, and they know me and they love me and you can follow me on Instagram. Um, but when we're sitting in this intimate setting, you're going to hear me talk about the Holy Spirit. You're going to hear me say God. You're going to hear me talk to prophetic people who do business. Um, and so I think that's something I've learned. So I'm a little all over the place here. Um, you just you fire me up so much. Um, but yeah, I think I see a lot of people that are held back because they're just not sure what the next step is to take. And my, my um, philosophy is very similar to yours. It's like knock on the door. You won't know if it's going to open if you don't jiggle the handle. And to jiggle the handle, you might have to ask that person for this or that or an interview or a, you know, hey, you know, whatever it might be. So, uh, but I'm also like a serial networker too. So it, it comes more naturally. <laughs> but, um, and then I also, I wanted to hear, I had two more thoughts, unless you had anything else. I want to hear kind of, if you have like a word on your heart or a message you feel like 
you feel like God has been kind of speaking to you. We, we kind of touched on it earlier, but I didn't know if there was anything else you wanted to kind of say about kind of our current climate as a businesswoman, um, kind of what your thoughts or what you feel the Lord is saying on that. And then obviously I want to kind of, we can talk about uh, my style chest and how people can find you, but, but yeah, I just didn't know if you had anything. Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of refers to what I said at the start, just this is not a time as believers where we should be talking without thinking. I think we should be doing a lot of listening right now. It's a season to listen to the other person that's talking. And I say listen, I don't mean listen with your ears, but listen with your heart. Two very different things. And stay engaged so that you are hearing what they are trying to say, not so much what they're saying. For all races, and that's just the season we're here, we're in, to stay engaged and sit at the table and, you know, get involved in conversations and let our heart do the listening. I know for me, naturally, I get really fired up. So if someone says something I'm really excited about, I can just cut them. I'm like, I'll just cut in and tell them what I think because I'm excited and the Lord's really been kind of chastening me with that in this season. Like, oh, go. We know you're excited, but are you even listening to what they're saying? And it could just be a really fun conversation, like about nothing. It could be about dresses, nothing meaningful. Sure. But then me button in, I'm saying I don't want to hear what you're saying. Listen to what I have to say. And it's so unconscious, but the Lord's like, well, you're not hearing their heart. That is rude and disrespectful. So I think there is a season of honor that's on the body right now. And that means not even button in, even though you are so excited about what you're going to say, because it means you're really not listening. I think when you listen to people's hearts and connecting with people's hearts, um, and we're in a season where the, the Lord's judging mixtures, whether it's identity mixtures, things that we believe but mixed with a little bit of a lie, racial mixtures, like me, you know, I didn't know I was a little biased until this stuff starts to happen he's judging those biases that i have deep in my soul so let the lord deal with these issues in your heart and just social media the news i'm sure you've heard this all before judge these things with the lord um there are so many narratives that are so ungodly right now but they are rooted in a little bit of truth, but they're kind of all mixed up. And, you know, it's a season to be very discerning mm-hmm. as a believer. Just be really discerning um, and switch off social media if you have to, switch off the news if you have to. I just think as a British American Nigerian, or should I say Nigerian American British Canadian, um, <laughs> I've seen the impact of the news depending on what country you're hearing the news from. The news being shown in Nigeria, if you talk to my parents, what they're seeing there, I just think it's so fascinating. It's so different from the news that you hear in England, which is so different from the news that you hear in America. But meanwhile, they're all commenting on the same thing. And I just see such a control um, the media mountain. Because you can talk to someone, we're all hearing the same things, but depending on the country, they will give you a different spin. Um, I personally have to say that America so far has, I've never um, 
seen a more controlled narrative than I've seen in America. It's just insane. <laughs> like, like from, from, and I'm talking to someone who's lived in Nigeria, lived in the UK. It is so controlled here in what they are choosing, what narrative they are choosing to put forth. So as someone who's lived in so many different countries for extended periods of time, um, as a believer, let the Holy Spirit tell you the real news. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Don't That's go cool. off watching. Yes, I love it. And um, I want to pray too, but would you, we didn't really talk about my style chest. Um, and I want to also, as far as people, because they're going to have already fallen in love with you at this point. So people are going to want to know where to find you. So tell us where to find you and how to get a hold of uh, my style chest and some some of the stuff online with Ogo New York. Yes, yes. So you can find me. So we do, my style chest is like a personal styling service, which I love. I'm all about meeting people and connecting with people and making them look fabulous. So it's, uh, it's um, a, a brand that allows us to style you. We're able to kind of get um, your profile online from a style quiz, similar to Stitch Fix, but more specialized, where based on your profile, we can kind of tell what, um, your style personality is and your pricing, your budget. And we just put boxes together for you. We always have a cute verse in that, in there oh, that cool. on our heart for you. And then we just kind of ship that out to you. You get to try it on and you only pay for what you love and what you don't, you return for free. So that's style chest. We have in-store consultations. People tend to prefer coming in-store because I guess they want, they love everyone that walks in here non-believers go oh my gosh the energy here is insane that's like i can tell you what that is yeah and it's so crazy that even during covid we were trying to reschedule in fact we did postpone a lot of our sound appointments and just sent out emails going we'll see you when things are over we had clients going no 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 you please if possible can i see you now we want to come in the store so wow yeah and i'm like okay wear a mask right <laughs> wear our mask <laughs> but we had people that i was i was really touched by that because there's something about i call them coming in the experience of being in here that is so special to them yeah and they so um so yeah i feel if you can be at the store come and enjoy the experience with a glass of prosecco yeah. um, with, but if not yeah we also obviously offer the service online as well so you can get us on my style chest that's m-y-s-t-y-l-e style chest c-h-e-s-t dot com um, and that's for our personal styling services and then obviously ogo new york is our primary brand that's ogo my name ogo and then new york spelled out n-e-w-y-o-r-k.com there you can kind of get our collections clothing designed by myself as well as other lovely knick and nats and especially our heifer 99 masks which I'm super excited about. You can get that um, there as well. If you are connected to um, whether it's a business or you're looking to um, start your own business, you're looking for consulting, or you already have an established business, um, but you're looking to scale it up and grow it and looking for strategic advice, that would be Sales Driven Solutions Inc. So that would be my consulting firm. And you can get us or reach me at salesdrivensolutions.com. That's sales solutions.com and so that's where um and again i'll say now excuse the look of the site i threw that together in 2014 but have never had to market myself wow. people have 
always come to me on recommendation. I've never been out of a job, a project since we started in 2014. Wow. So we've not updated the site because we just haven't. People tell people about me and they work with me and then they hire me or, or my team. And so ignore the look of the site, but just reach out to me via the contact page then I can definitely help. And if you do, let us know that it was because of this podcast, because I would love to know if someone that was listening reaches out to you, because most of most of the people listening are people who are trying to create something, um, and a lot of which are entrepreneurial type of people. So that I would love to hear if anyone reaches out, let me know. That would be incredible. Um, And then, oh, I'm sorry, I cut you off. What were you saying? No, no, I said I will. Okay. Um, And then. Yeah, I just I want you to just pray for us and release whatever you think if God's saying something, otherwise just to pray and um yeah, that was pretty much all I had. Unless you had anything else you wanted to share. Oh, this has been fun. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Ogo, you are one of those people that I've since I've met you, I've always looked up to you. I love just the person you are, the way you challenge people, the way you walk so closely with the Lord. I mean, it's, it's, you're one of those people that I'm like, someday that's, I'm going to look like that. Like that is, and I, and I do, I truly, truly mean that. I mean, you are an incredible individual and I'm honored to know you. I'm honored to be able to share and, and be able to put you on a platform to be like, look at, this is my friend. (laughs) So. So we'll pray. Yes, Lord. So Father, I just want to thank you. I thank you for your presence i thank you for just these amazing people listening lord god i thank you for brooke and what she is doing with this podcast i just ask you papa for those listening that you give them clarity for those who are trying to kind of who are asking questions we need clarity on on key business decisions i really feel that there are people listening that um need clarity on next steps they don't know what the next step is to take and i feel the lord is saying just wait and I will tell you when. So don't 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 just do it for the sake of doing it. When I say do time, don't just take a step because you just want to be doing something. And for, for if that works for you, just wait. The Lord will whatever the Lord has for you to do is critical to timing. There's something where the timing has to be right, right? And when it comes to God's timing, it's about the people that are set to receive it have to be in the right frame of mind to receive it and there's something beautiful about god's timing and so if that's for you yes just um just wait um and 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 keep kind of just hearing from the lord so father i just want to thank you lord god just for the business ideas and for the strategy coming to people and i thank you for grace to execute these ideas i just ask you lord that you help them to walk humbly before you with pure hearts and clean hands, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to share this episode and come follow me at Brooke A. Payne. That's Brooke with an E, A-P-A-Y-N-E on Instagram and Facebook. And all of our resources are in my bio. Thank you guys so much. It means so much to me that you're listening.